Okay, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 17, and we're going to read verse 11 to 23. The past two weeks, Pastor Ron's been talking about prayer, which is awesome because I'm talking about Jesus's prayer. And I'm not talking about our Father who art in heaven, help be thy name. That's, that's the disciples' prayer. It's not Jesus' prayer. It's him teaching us to pray. I'm talking about Jesus' prayer for us. Jesus' prayer for you. Each of us in this room. And he says this, starting in verse 11. He says, now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by, your, by the power of your name so that they will be united if you have a highlighter, feel free to highlight the word united. They will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protect them, or during their time here, my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold, speaking about Judas. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into this world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Highlight all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them glory. I've given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus' prayer sounds very repetitive. He repeats this concept of unity, this concept of being one over four times. Why? His, this is, and this is, this is big. Is Jesus Christ, our Savior, the, the, the guy that we sing songs to on Sunday, the one that we pray to, the one that we send our prayers to, prayed this for us unity to be one as Christ and God are one Jesus Christ and the Father are one right are they one they're one and his prayer is that we would be the same with each other as he is with God how is this possible some of you guys are weird <laughs> I'm weird we, we like to sit in our own rows and we like to, to sit in, in bleachers and, and be as separate as we possibly can because the idea of togetherness is uncomfortable. The idea of, of being one with each other is scary because some of us are weird. Yet Jesus Christ prayed that we would be together as him and the Father were together. That's unity. It's inseparable. It's almost incomprehensible. I don't know how I can be one with you as, as Christ is with the Father. But Jesus prayed it. Do you think Jesus was crazy? Probably not, right? Maybe a little bit. He was awesome crazy, though. He did some cool things. But his prayer 
should have truth behind it, right? If Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sinless, then what he spoke has to have power, has to have meaning. I don't think he was thinking, you know, God, I hope that they're kind of one. I hope that they're sort of connected. And so I hope that they talk to each other once a week. I don't think that's what he meant. And it's beautiful that um, Donald read this next scripture earlier, because this is a scripture that God put in my heart. And quick, quick, uh, quick story real quick. Thursday afternoon, so Friday night, okay, Friday night we had a, a Halloween, not Halloween party basically, it was the opposite of Halloween. And so we had a not Halloween party for the youth group. So don't get mad at me for saying Halloween, we can talk about it later. Um, so this whole room we decorated, seven hours Thursday night, it took us seven hours, then another four hours on Friday. Thursday afternoon, Ron called me and asked if I could speak this morning. And I said, yes, of course, because I'm so zealous. <laughs> so I had to decorate for seven hours Friday night, or Thursday night, all day Friday. We were here till about two in the morning Friday evening. Then Saturday, I had to come tear down this stage with a bunch of help, and we went to the Church of the Nazarene, and we did a concert there with the worship team yesterday. Didn't get home till like 10 o'clock. But what's crazy is... I was freaking out because I didn't know what the heck to talk about. I was like, oh my gosh, I said yes, but I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm just going to get up there and be like, hey, happy Sunday, go home. <laughs> and it was cool because God is so faithful that in my dream, like my dreams and as I was sleeping, he, he gave me this verse, this specific verse, okay? And this is the scripture that we're actually going to tear apart now. So we've established that Jesus Christ's heart for us is unity, Right? You guys all believe that Jesus Christ's heart for us is unity. Not separation, not to be in our own little comfort zones or bubbles, but together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's break down Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42. That word teaching. In verse 42, that's the exact same word that is used all throughout the gospel when it talks about the type of teaching that Jesus gave, authoritative, authoritative, truth, power, okay? This, this, this term, it's, it's the whole reason we're here, teaching, because somebody taught somebody who taught somebody who taught somebody who taught somebody who times a number I don't even know got down to us, and here we are, teaching, this isn't, this isn't about preaching. This isn't about uh, personal opinion. This is about Jesus Christ, Son of God, came from heaven, died, rose again for you, for me. Teaching, authoritative, authority coming from God and God alone, okay? The disciples are using this exact same type of teaching. And so people are being converted. Not because they're... they're not, the disciples aren't on a road show. They're not taking lights and sound systems and games and all these crazy things to win people over. Like, hey, come look at how cool our stuff is. Or, hey, look, at, look how nice our building is. They were meeting in homes. 
humble, little, small. Whatever they had, they used. And they taught with authority. And it was because they taught with authority of Christ that people were changed. That's the only reason. Because of Christ. Okay? Next word, fellowship. Meaning close association involving mutual involvement and relationships. Did you guys know that we were created for relationships? In the beginning, God created Adam, and Adam was alone, and none of the animals were very much like him. (laughs) So he was the lonely guy. And God said it is not good for man to be alone, so he created a woman for him. Fellowship, relationship, connection, unity. They became one flesh, unity. We're created to be relational beings. We're not created to be alone. And so this morning I ask you, Have you segregated yourself? Have we segregated ourselves? Question to ponder. Okay, we go on. Breaking of bread. They were the communion. You guys all everybody look back at that communion table over there. The breaking of bread. That's the type of breaking of bread this scripture that this reference is using. Breaking of bread, communion. Remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us. Prayer. It's interesting in this translation because it actually translates as the prayers. And the reason for that is because it wasn't personal prayers, it was communal prayers. The specific prayer that this scripture in Acts is talking about is communal prayer. As one entity, one organism, lifting up mutual prayer. Not to myself in a corner, not that that's wrong, but this reference is talking about community all throughout it. Again, prove my point. God was moving the church and the church was blown away. We see how God, because of this sense of community, because of this sense of belonging, because Jesus Christ's prayer had come to being, remember when Jesus Christ prayed for unity? This church knew it. This church lived it. This church was the answer to Jesus Christ's prayer. And because of that, God was moving. God wasn't moving because they were so good at what they did. God wasn't moving because they had the proper chairs to sit in. God wasn't moving because they had a great building to meet in. God was moving because they were after the same thing God's own heart was after. Unity. Togetherness. Okay? If that doesn't prove the point... I want you to think about how generous this church was. How generous. And this, I mean, this, this is challenging to me as I read it because I don't want to be up here and be like, all right, everybody sell your stuff. See, because that's the reaction I get. <laughs> so everybody go sell your houses, bring it back, and then we'll distribute. That's, but that's what this church was doing. And it's not, that, that's not what I'm saying to do because maybe I have some selfishness in me or something. I don't have very much to sell in the first place, but... <laughs> So those of you with a lot to sell, sell half of it and give it to me. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. So it says, all believers were together and had everything in common. Everything in common. Why does it say that they had everything in common? They weren't from the same type of backgrounds. I mean, they they grew up in, in similar areas, but they were all different people, right? They all had different stories. We all have different stories. 
We've all been through things that other people can't imagine. Some of us haven't. We, have, we all come from a very different place in life. So did this church. But they had everything in common. Why? Because God was their everything. It wasn't just a small part of their life. It wasn't just, oh, hey, guys, we all know Jesus. Cool. Let's talk about it once a week. That was their life. That was their life. They worked to pay bills, and they worked to help the church. That wasn't their life. Their life was Christ. Remember what Paul says? To live is Christ and to die is gain. It's all about Jesus. That's it. That's the point. It's all about Jesus. And we get so distracted and caught up that this is secondary. This is an activity. This is a, a once a week, maybe two times a week thing that we feel maybe gets God off of our back. That's not what it's about. That's not what this is about. I'm going to go on. So they're generous, selling so many things, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And that wasn't that this dude over here wanted a Ferrari. So, okay, church, let's raise money. So this guy gets his Ferrari. It was, this guy doesn't have food. Or this person can't pay their rent. Or this person doesn't have a vehicle to get from here to there. Or back then, a cute little donkey. So they raised money and they bought that burro. They did. They did whatever they need to do to help whoever it was that was in need. Their selves, themselves, was secondary. If not third, it was God, each other, then themselves, right? Okay, moving on. So they're beyond generous. They're living life together, essentially. Every single day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, which is a lot different than uh, sometimes what we do today. Sometimes we invite people over for dinner just because we feel like it's going to make us a good person. And the whole time we're like cleaning our houses and we're like, man, why did I invite them? I don't want to clean. I don't even want to cook. I don't even like this guy. Why did I invite him to my house? And maybe it's because we're doing things for the wrong reasons. You know what Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day, of his day? He said, you love all the right places to sit. You love to be up front. You love to be seen. You love to, to tie long prayer tassels to your robes so that people think something of you. You like attention. We're not supposed to be doing things for the sake of attention. We're not supposed to be doing things for each other so that all of a sudden somebody owes me a favor. But unfortunately, that's, that seems to be our culture today. They weren't just they weren't just kind of alike. They weren't just they didn't just kind of like each other. They did life together. Life, not church, not service. They did life together. That's what church is missing these days. We don't do life together. 
We show up, we put on a smile, we put on our nice clothes, or we don't put on our nice clothes, because I don't have nice clothes. I don't believe in it. (laughs) And we do church, and we do it really well. Not just this church, many churches. We do, you know, we do our job really well. But that's the problem. It's a job. It's a duty. And it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be life. Everything. And all else is secondary. All else is secondary. This church was doing that. They live life together. Going on, just tearing through this scripture. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That means all the people that were within. Because obviously there was a lot of Christians that were hated in that day. Praising God. Now this is personal to me because I'm a worship leader. I want to define this word praise for you. To praise is this. It's an expression. Expression of approval, admiration, respect, and gratitude. Expression, just in the word, the root word alone, express means outward. It means from inside out. Inside out. And yet, we come in and we're, we're within ourselves. And that's where we like to stay because it's comfortable within ourselves. Christ didn't call us to live within ourselves. He called us to live outside. He called us to express, to bring it out. Passion, zeal, boldness. That's what this church had. Passion, zeal, boldness. They weren't afraid to do what they wanted to do. They weren't afraid to raise their hands. They weren't afraid to pray. They were passionate because of who Christ was. You know who else was passionate though? And this goes for the opposite. The religious leaders of the day. They did what they did. Why? Because they loved to be seen. So there's this balance here. Where I'm not expressing my worship to God because I want to be noticed. I'm expressing my worship to God because I want God to notice. And that's it. That's the only reason. That's it. This church knew how to praise. This church knew how to worship. Going onward. So, they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those who are being saved. Jesus said in John 13, 35, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. See, a true Christian lives in Christ's love. Doesn't just talk about Christ's love. They live in Christ's love. And because of that, the lost and the broken are drawn in because there's something that we all need. And that's Christ. That's God. Now, if we come in here bored out of our minds and we never talk about it again, who's going to want to be here? I don't want to be here. I know you're not going to want to be here. If you go to like a movie and the, like the first hour of it is insanely boring, you're never going to watch that movie again, ever. For me, if the first 15 minutes are boring, I'm never going to watch that again. And yet, 
something that's supposed to be alive, something that's supposed to be breathing the Spirit of God, is in a downward spiral of decay because of boredom. Because because it's not exciting enough for us. That's not okay. This church understood that. This church focused on God's heart. And because they focused on God's heart, there was growth. Because they did everything that Christ told them to do, there was growth. Because they loved, there was growth. They were the answer to Jesus Christ's prayer. This was the picture of unity. And here's what I want you to understand. A lot of us, including myself, not too long ago, I was talking about how church is done all wrong. You know, churches, you know, we do everything wrong. We have the wrong order of service. Uh, We need more lights. We need more sound. We need all this new stuff. And what I just read explained pretty much exactly what we do here on a Sunday morning. So we can't say that what we're doing is wrong. We can't say that, that we're missing the point within a church service. Why? Because look, there was teaching. This is communal. Remember, everything within Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 is community. It's together. It's in a place like this, exactly like this. There was teaching. There was fellowship. There was communion. There was prayer. Every, it sounds like everything we're doing. There was praise. There was giving. Sounds like everything we're doing, right? So why don't we see growth? Why are we missing the point? Where are we missing the point? If we're doing everything they were doing, the reason is because we're not doing everything they were doing. We're not doing community. We're not living together. This life isn't about us, it's about me. And that's where we're at. Not just, again, not just this church, not just, this includes myself. We live, we live me, we live out me. We live out what do I need to get done, which we all have things to get done, right? But there's no priority these days in community. There's no priority and being together. So, why do we not see growth? Remember, the reason why this church saw growth, and I'm not just talking about numbers, I'm talking about spiritual growth. The reason this church saw growth is because they connected with God's heart. They did everything God told them to do. Everything Jesus Christ taught, they taught. What he said, they said. What they did, what he did, they did. They didn't make up their own new stuff. Everything has been laid out for us. It's all been laid out for us. And it's all done for us. And we show up on a Sunday morning and everything's here. Everything's set up, right? That's because somebody in this church loves you so much that they took the time out of their life to make this place ready for you. But we come in and it's nothing. There's no community. They focused on what was God's heart. They didn't focus on growth. They focused on God's heart. That was it. They did the one thing. That one thing. 
They weren't concerned, okay, what do we need to do now to get more, more people attracted to us? They just said what Jesus told them to say. That's all they did. And it made a change. And it impacted. Another issue, again, with church in general, is we focus on growth and not on God. And because we're focusing on growth and not on God, there's no growth. Why? Because Jesus Christ said this, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. If we're fighting for something that he never told us to fight for, we're losing. He told us to seek community. He prayed for unity. He prayed for togetherness. Jesus Christ prayed this for us, for you, for me. Let me tell you real quick what church is not. Church is not about me. Church is not about you. Individually, church is not about me or you. Church is about us. Church is about us with God. Community, togetherness, right? Okay, church is not merely for self-improvement. Unfortunately, these days, I think a lot of us come in, including myself, to see, you know, what, what can I get out of this? What, I mean, what, what, what do you have to offer me so I can be a better person? That wasn't Jesus' message. Jesus' message was communal improvement. It was the betterment of the whole, not of just the self. It starts with the self, but it's supposed to spread to the whole. So if all we're focused on is me, we're missing the point. Church is not about me. Church is not merely about self-improvement. Church is not entertainment. It's community with God and his beloved. We're his beloved. Community between us. Church is not for quote-unquote good people because none of us are good people. I mean, some of you, I mean, some of you guys are pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ said that if, if you have any type of hate towards your brother, you're guilty of murder. He said if you've ever looked at a woman or women, if you've ever looked at a man, I'm throwing that in there because I feel like that's kind of what his point was. If you've ever had a lustful thought, you're an adulterer. We're a room, and it, nobody in here can tell me you've never had a lustful thought or you've never hated somebody. We are a room full of murderous, adulterous beings. We're not good. It wasn't about us being good people. It wasn't about us being perfect. It's about us being God-seeking people. Not good, God-seeking. It's not self-improvement. It's our hearts becoming more and more like God's together. Together, okay? Church is not for fake smiles or attention fiends. Those are kind of opposite spectrums. We have this, we have this, this attitude to come into a building where we're expected and Again, I'm guilty of everything I'm talking about this morning. We have this, this mindset where we come in with this fake smile where everything's okay and everything's not okay. This morning, I can tell you right now, everything's not okay with me. I got like four hours of sleep last night. I'm tired. Everything's not okay with you, and if you're going to tell me everything's perfect, that's your loss because this is supposed to be a place of openness, not of fakeness. 
And then on the opposite side of the spectrum is what I call an attention fiend, where you thirst for attention, where we come in with nothing but problems. And we come in with, well, my life sucks and everything's so horrible and this person did this to me and we're bitter and we're angry and we're spiteful. Church is about us coming in with the circumstances we have with the understanding that God is bigger than them. With the understanding that He is faithful and He is strong to see us through anything we've been through, anything we're going through. It's not a place of complaining and it's not a place of faking. It's about being real. And if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He did everything that our Bible says He did, then we know that regardless of what we're going through, we've already won. So it's about realness. It's about truth. And the truth is, we're going to be okay. Maybe we're not okay right now, but we're going to be okay. That's truth. Okay, moving on. Church is not just Sunday morning. It's life being lived together. It's not just this, man. If this is all that it is, we've missed the point already and there's no point in being here because we're missing the point. It's not just this. You really think, like, like let's really, let's call this into question. God, the creator of all the universe, all human beings, everything we see, all beauty, man, the, the stinking outer space is so mind-blowingly large, I'm not even going to talk about it. So insane. And then you go down to the molecular level where things are so small we can't even, we don't even know how small they get. Do we really believe that the creator of all that, that this Sunday morning thing that we do, that was his heart? No. It was beyond that. It was so much more than that. It is so much more than that. It is every aspect of our life being lived together. It's challenging, right? It's kind of uncomfortable. Finally, what I have for what church is not, church is not a ticket to heaven. Church is supposed to be heaven on earth. This isn't our, this isn't our ticket to, to a great, incredible show. Jesus Christ called us to be the hands and feet of his body. We're not waiting for heaven. We're supposed to be bringing heaven down. Yeah, heaven's coming. But we're supposed to be making the glory of God revealed on earth. Not just waiting. We're not playing the waiting game. We're supposed to be doing things. Heaven on earth, what would that look like? Let's read. What would heaven on earth look like? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds pretty heavenly to me. This church got it. They understood it. They were bringing heaven to earth. They weren't just waiting. They weren't just living for themselves. They brought God 
to earth. They showed people who he was, and because of that, God brought people to them. The broken, the lost. Moving on, what is church? We've decided, we've kind of, uh, well, I hope you agree with me. What we're doing isn't church. Church comes from the word ecclesia and uh, comes from two words, Greek words, ek, which means out from, and kaleo, which means to call. So literally called out is how this word is translated. That's where we get the term church. Originally, this term within the Greek, when somebody said the ones called out, that phrase, the ones called out, which is where this word derives from, church, here's what it meant within the Greek culture. The ones called out referred to the legislative body of citizens of the Greek Republic, called from their communities to serve their country. It wasn't about them. It was responsibility. To serve, to serve in legislative body? That's responsibility, right? There's responsibility behind that. There has to be passion behind that. Beyond that, it wasn't about self-gain. It was to serve their country. This word church is supposed to mean that we come in here together all with an equal responsibility to serve this body, not to be served, to serve this body. You know what Jesus Christ was? A servant, a servant. I heard it said once by Pastor Eva, uh, uh, Pepe's wife here at the Spanish church. She said that, you know, we, as Christians, we have a lot of symbols well, we have a Jesus fish. We know where all that came from. We have a cross. You know, we have the Star of David. And then she did this. She pulled out a rag out of her back pocket and she said, this should be the Christian symbol. A rag. Because we're supposed to be serving. It's beyond religion. It's service. It's responsibility for each other. Moving on. Obviously, and I can say this, so church was not supposed to be selfish. It was supposed to be selfless. Rob Bell says it this way. If you like him, cool. If you don't, cool. He says this, church is people, people whose hearts are beating more and more like God's. That's church. People whose hearts are beating more and more like God's. So I close with this. It's challenging, right? Kind of uncomfortable a little bit. Kind of hurts. That's called growth. Remember when we were all younger and we had those growing pains in our legs and our mom had to rub them out because they hurt so bad and we're like crying about it. Some of you have kids now. You're rubbing growing pains out of your kids' legs. That's called growth. Hurts. Hurts a little bit. I know it hurts me a little bit. Here's my challenge to you guys today. Let's be a church that is one. Let's be what church was supposed to be. Just as Jesus Christ and God the Father are one, let us be one. Let us be a church. Let us be the church that Jesus Christ prayed for. Remember this church in Acts? They were the answer to Jesus Christ's prayer. They were the answer to that. Can we become the answer to that? Can we be what Jesus Christ prayed for? Can we be so much more than just a service? I want to be part of something that beats after God's own heart. That's what I want. 
That's what I want for this place. That's what I want for you. But you have to want it because nobody can force that on you. Pastor Ron can't, can't preach that to you. He can't force that upon you. I can't force that upon you. None of the board or the elders can force that upon you. We're all doing our part. The leadership in this church, man, we're, we're working. We're doing a lot. But we can't do this alone. It comes down to each of us individually understanding that we're not here to be entertained. We're not here to be served. We are here to serve. We're here to help each other. We're here for community and community alone. Because that was Jesus Christ's prayer. So, I ask you as a church, I ask you as individuals, if this, this, this picture in Acts, what we see in heaven on earth, if that's something that you want to be a part of, I ask you, please, please stand with me. I'm standing right now. So if you want that, take a stand. If you don't want that, that's fine. I want so much more than just service. I want what church was supposed to be. Father God, this morning, God, we're here for you. Lord, for you alone, God. I pray that you would break our hearts, Father, break our walls. God, I pray that we would be lifted, God, into your presence, Father, that we would be, Lord, the church that your son prayed for. God, that we would be so much more than a building, God, so much more than a service. God, that we would be a community of people whose hearts are beating more and more like yours. Father, this morning I pray that you are glorified, Father. Lord, and as we leave challenged, God, I pray that we would understand that Christianity is supposed to be challenging. God, and that we would take that challenge, Father, and make a difference in this place, God. That more and more people would be drawn into this place because you are moving. Not because we are moving, God, but because you are moving. So Father, over your people, God, I just declare fellowship, God. I declare community. I declare togetherness. God, that we would be wholesome. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.